0: This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. (laughs) I don't know. Fly casual. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast, or perhaps I should say hello there, or perhaps I could say get the hell out of here, because this is a siege episode, my friends. This episode went zero to 100, straight into drama, straight into flashbacks, straight into a lot of uh, interpersonal dynamics, some revenge, a little bit of, uh, you know, Lego Star Wars, take the short person and throw them inside of a vent so they can fix things. There was a lot going on. There was a lot going on here in this episode, and I am so thankful thrilled to be here to talk about it. You know, it is part five of six, but I'm also already getting a little bit of that melancholy, bittersweet feeling of it being almost over. But they're going out with a huge bang. You can already tell from this episode, of course, directed by the incomparable Deborah Chow, as well as her creative team backing her up, which you know includes Joby Harold, the head writer, and Andrew Stanton joining the team for this episode. And he's also going to be on the finale. Andrew Stanton, of course, from Pixar. He's been around Pixar from the early days and is a top creative there and has worked on things like WALL-E for his sci-fi pedigree. And I love the guy. And I thought that he brought so much good character to this. Now, as for what I've brought for you, well, you already clicked on it, so you know. So there's not really a point to hyping this up. It's not like we're on a live stream where I can like be like, oh, oh hey, here they are. Uh, you already saw it. You already saw the episode graphic, which is probably super tons of fun. Uh, hopefully we didn't like Photoshop these two into being chased by Vader or something like that. That would be really mean. But I've decided... As I said off camera, off mic, I needed to complete my complete set of pink milk. Like I'm collecting Pokemon badges. We've had Brian Barry before on the show. We've had Chase Hauser before on the show. But today we complete that Fantastic Four, fresh off of their incredible appearance at Star Wars Celebration, or maybe not so fresh. It's been a couple of weeks at the time of recording this, but we're still riding that high. I've got two hitters here. We're gonna start with the person whose name is easier to say. That way, this intro does not get derailed and that is mark perez hello (laughs) i'm doing fantastic i'm I'm happy to be here i'm excited to have you i feel like i've known you on twitter for so long and having just met you in person it was just everything that i thought it was going to be you're a person that i think lives up to (laughs) the vibe that you give some people throw you and you're like oh you're different Uh, yeah
1: yeah i get that because that that happened a little bit to me at celebration but i I do my best to put myself out there so that when you do meet me, it's like, you know me already, you know? So. Yeah.
0: yeah, I definitely felt that. And I also felt that from the third member of our team for this evening. This is the heavy hitter, the biggest brain uh, <laughs> of the group. <laughs> this, this is the the person who can take an entire packed room full of podcast listeners. And I've seen it because I was there in the front row and have them eating out of the palm of their hand. <laughs> and I'm going to now attempt to say I'm a Kuhnbaum, correct?
2: We're just keen bomb.
0: We're just keen bomb. But come on, like, what do we Like to, the
2: anglicized version. We have
0: to capitulate to white people, like at this late hour. Come on, you don't have to do all that. <laughs>
2: Sorry about it. No, yeah,
0: I, <laughs> the, the white people do generally tend to take the flavor out of things. Truly, uh, but thankfully, Obi Wan Kenobi, not directed by a white person, and not directed by a guy either. Directed nope. by, of course, Deborah Chow, who, much like you. Canadian look at that look at those exports like incredible you guys (laughs) are vibing it's wonderful yeah um this was a lot my friends this episode was a lot uh I'm gonna take us right into it because like I said we're recording this at a late hour um which does not bother me, but at the same time, I don't want to be here until the sun comes up. Um, which is. <laughs> I mean, po- we easily could be, right? It's like, right. yeah, <laughs>
2: absolutely.
0: Exactly, which is a, a huge possibility. So I want to take us through some of the more fan stuff, some of the stuff that is unavoidable, immediately impactful. And then I want to take us more into like those thematics and like some of the stuff that I feel is actually going on behind everything because Star Wars, going back to the beginning, the very beginning, 1977, the reason why we all love it and the reason why so much of what I do here and what you do on Pink Milk goes so deep and runs long and creates community and, and takes these deep dives into these concepts is because there is so much going on. Like, it's not just a farm boy that wants to leave home. It's everything. It's everyone. It's all of our stories. It's all of our internal myths. Everyone is that is that guy, is that kid. And here in this episode, there's a lot going on too that I found so instantly relatable. So we're going to talk about things like how we all have that person in our lives where it feels like we've been having the same fight with them our entire existence and relationship together. Even as <laughs> we've changed, the fight has still been the same fight. <laughs> uh also uh, much darker themes for the dark side the cycles of abuse do you become what you hate in the pursuit of retribution can you exact an equal toll is vengeance applicable is it right to weaponize someone else's thirst for vengeance in the pursuit of a greater good that you are trying to pursue? Is it right to throw opposing forces together to try to escape, even if it is in a very cool space way? So there's a lot of stuff going on here. But we have to start with, of course, what everybody wanted, kind of, um, which is are these flashbacks. Everybody yeah. wanted Clone Wars flashbacks, Clone Wars flashbacks. We've been hearing that since Hayden was revealed to be in the show. <laughs> and they... Sort of delivered with a pre-Clone Wars flashback. Yep. This is a pre-episode two, which people can peep, of course, by the Padawan braid and the lack of uh, robotic hand. So yeah. this is—I like to think—that right after the scene that we saw, they rush off because someone tried to assassinate Padme. I they would love it if it was—that would make sense immediately yeah. right there. Yeah, um, yeah, Before Attack of the Clones starts. So mm-hmm. whoever wants to jump in first. Tell me about your initial impressions of this scene, uh, how it sort of washed over you, the initial feeling of, oh, wow, they're actually doing this. How did that all play?
1: Yeah, I, I gasped out loud when I saw it, right? Because I we, I had an idea we were going to get something like that, but it, it didn't think it would be this way. And, it, and it's funny because the way it starts, it's a very short little flashback, and then obviously we get, like, the other ones as the story goes on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just the fact that you, like you said, Getting to see them during this era was really, really interesting. And if, like you said, if we follow through with the idea that right after this, they're on the elevator to go meet Padme. I mean, I love that idea because you get what we see of Anakin here, and yet he is very much that young person who is nervous about meeting Padme. And that, I love the idea, that whole idea. You put that in my head now. Thanks, Ellen. So it's <laughs> <what I> <laughs> it so in my head. But yeah, it's it was, I think it's, it's a great beginning to the show. It really, because it gets you right into the moment. And then right away, we cut into like present tense, so to speak. You know?
2: I really like the way that it starts a really, what turns out to be a very heavy and dark episode on such mm. a light, delightful note. It makes the story feel bigger because your emotional journey is more extreme and like i think opening the like the choice to do sort of like that cold open on the flashback and have that be the very first thing that you see yeah it's just that was such a great choice like storytelling wise and like for setting the mood because there's this meta aspect of like they know the impression that the scene is going to give <laughs> like they know that everyone's going to be like oh <gasps> Sweet, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, Chase has been very open about how much they were looking forward to seeing flashbacks, you know, and I'm sure that that sh- sentiment is shared with a lot of the fans. You know, this is obviously something that people have been looking forward to and finally having that fulfilled. It just gives you that little like champagne bubble pop. Of delight, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where you start. And then you take this whole really complicated emotional journey through the rest of the other events of the episode, which are heavily, like, which as you've mentioned, like, they pose these ethical questions and they fill in blanks for us and confirm our theories and there's grief and loss and suspense and dread. So, like, this episode was just a whole new but that was just with that little, that little brightness, you know, that sp- spark of brightness to begin with was just such a great way of like, kicking it off. Such a great storytelling choice.
0: And what a great metaphor for their dynamic and for their relationship mm-hmm. that it did start off exactly. so bright in that they have had, and we've this in episode two, we see this in Clone Wars, they have had all of these swashbuckling adventures, all of these great times, these times of being genuinely great at what they do and genuinely great with each other the context of the specter of who they are is hanging over this entire thing whether that's general skywalker and his tactics and how he's worked as the chosen one as the hero as the face of the you know the army of the republic and just as as the guy and then general kenobi as the negotiator the negotiator from the prequel era tying into alec guinness with their alternatives to fighting and how he starts to form the way that we know that he would act later on in his life. That all hangs over there. Now, how did you feel about the choice to set it where it was? Not necessarily in relation to episode two, but they could have chosen anything. It could have been any period that Hayden would have made sense for and just as a note on that like just the power of seeing this guy get to do that again because it's cool enough to do Vader but to do it no helmet no armor to really be the kid um, even though he's 40 now he effortlessly slips back into it why do you think it was important to do training to do it when Anakin is still 19 and to not go to maybe a later point like a Clone Wars.
2: Yeah well I mean like like you pointed out Alden like I think it really works well as a metaphor for their relationship Mm -hmm. and but the other thing that struck me about the choice to have them sparring especially with their sabers they're not using practice sabers and it shows you it's evidence of like the bond of trust that they have with each other.
3: Mm. Mm -hmm. You
2: know, like they're sparring with like live weapons and that means something that's, that's significant. It shows like how close they were and how much they and how fully and completely they trusted each other.
1: I have to, what I saw happening throughout the fight is obviously it was already laying down the groundwork of what the problems were with Anakin to begin with. Right. And, and how it Um, informs the decisions that are going on in the present time that we're seeing right throughout the episode very much she has not changed it's like in that's in that sense there is hope there that that person can be saved because they were always they were never perfect right but that means that they can find their way back as well too but that's going way further down the story than we need to but i loved seeing the fighting styles and the different moments that happened during the fight because there was a time like when he's sitting there smacking down on on uh Ben's saber it totally was luke in return of the jedi right and it reminded me of what we're gonna see luke when he's fighting his father right right at the end of that duel right there were moments like that uh, and it just it wasn't even just a flashback it's almost how much that scene also just like rhymes with so many other parts of what we're going to see way later, right? So it just, it was taking me on a journey not only within the moment itself, but of the saga in general. And I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, right? Like, at first, I didn't know if I really liked that time period being used. because I was like, why this? I would like to have seen them kind of knee-deep in Clone Wars. But it just goes to show you this particular moment really says so much about everything else and how much that same battle is still going on all these years later. And even though they're apart it's still so much that same battle within.
2: the cyclical nature of all of the events and the relationships between the characters, as has been pointed out, you know, this whole idea of a cycle of revenge, a cycle of, of violence and abuse. It's like Obi-Wan and Anakin's patterns of behavior towards each other were laid down so early mm. and just kept on getting repeated, like, throughout their relationship, just as you know, we were going to see that, like, Re- is caught in this cycle as well that she can't escape. And so it's like you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan, they also can't escape the pattern that exists in their relationship.
0: Yeah, and the the beauty of what you're saying about how it is a cycle, I mean, it goes all the way to A New Hope, to the day that Obi-Wan Kenobi dies, because as has been said by other folks more eloquently than I can articulate, I'm thinking of uh, my buddy Joseph Scrimshaw from Force Center, the victory of Obi-Wan in A New Hope, and it is a victory, is that Vader doesn't know what the fight is about they are having two completely different conflicts obi-wan is protecting the children he's on the brink of immortality he's opening the door for the effort of, of the light going forward. Vader's trying to kill a man, which are completely different. Like They are not on the same plane. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and that is exactly what is happening here. It's what happened in their training sessions. And like you said, I'm like this dynamic was established so early so I love that they came back to this point. Mark, you were talking about some of the parallels between uh, this and, and the battle on the second Death Star, which is so true. The rage that would be passed down to his kids that they would overcome but it's still passed down and Mm-hmm. And it's still there in, in, this, in the cycles of in the shadow of your father, in the shadow of, of of the whole previous generation, the whole sins of the Jedi, to see them in peacetime, too, versus wartime. Clone Wars and this conflict on Jabim would have been cool, probably very action heavy on both sides. But seeing these guys being able to spar on this patio where we know children will be slaughtered uh, yeah. is very very it's a stark contrast to see to see the temple during a time when there was no war when they oh i have an assignment okay i'm gonna do the assignment i'm gonna come back meditate Uh, the Jedi sort of as a well-oiled machine on the brink (laughs) of being not so well-oiled. But this uh, idea of the two of them being able to suss out each other's perspectives, mostly Obi-Wan. I mean, we literally see Anakin when he's doing that, you know, those heavy blows coming down on Obi-Wan. That's the same choreography that we saw in episode three of this show. You know, That's when they're on Mapuzo and before Mm. he lights him on fire. It's the same stuff. And the power of Obi-Wan's character not just as a negotiator is that he's able to perceive change as it happens. He's able, or a lack thereof. So knowing that Anakin hasn't changed is what wins the day here. In the same way that knowing that Maul hasn't changed is what wins the day in Twin Suns. Obi-Wan's able to say, oh, I know this guy better than he knows himself. And yeah. that's why he is the detective in Attack of the Clones is because of that perception. That's why in Brotherhood, not going to spoil it for anybody that hasn't read it, but you get some great moments of Obi-Wan watching Anakin and Padme from a distance saying, I don't know about this. You know, like he's <laughs> analyzing their, their body movements and their their hidden glances. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I should probably bring this up. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's a very, very interesting character. So talk to me about how you felt about not just Obi-Wan, but also Ewan, who I think does the best work of the show so far uh, yeah. in this episode, how you felt about everything going on with our titular character before we move into the action, Vader, Reva, everyone else.
1: I, For me, like you mentioned, I absolutely love that we still, we saw how it's brought up that um, Anakin wanting to win and like he his aggressive nature and how he duels is just very much him in general. That's why Obi-Wan knows him so well, right? But the fact that Obi-Wan takes all that knowledge and sits there and he breaks breaks it all down and goes, this is what he's going to do next. You know, like you said, this is how we're going to win this round, because there's no way that we're going to be able to do this, say A and win we got to do B, you know, and um with some surprises along the way, of course, as we see in the episode, but there was there's enough there that you really get to see the heart and soul of Kenobi in this episode, so much in that I just appreciated seeing him I, like seeing like the gears in his head working just in a moment just in a frame and i that to me informed like so much of like wow this character is like they really kind of went out of their way to really kind of break down the character and give you a good glimpse of why this particular being is the way they are and that mm-hmm. uh, made me love the character so much more than i already did and i already love that character so oh, yeah uh, it was it's yeah. a great what a, a great character study i guess you can say is right. probably the best way to describe what we're seeing um good job good I mean, job he's got, <laughs> Lucas Thoma,
0: he's got that <laughs> moment he's got that moment where he says no, he's going to attack right now. He hasn't the patience for a siege. And everyone's (laughs) like, how do you know that? And it's like Obi-Wan <laughs> could have done like a like a gym in the office, like look straight at the camera. Like, <laughs> how do I know? <laughs>
1: exactly. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, and what about you? What are your, your takeaways for this character that you've known your entire life? I mean, that's the thing. We've all known Obi-Wan our entire lives. And I'm still getting to know this guy.
2: Yeah, I think that, yeah, it was great seeing his strategizing coming to the forefront of the story because, you know, as has been brought up, like that is a part of his his character, but it's, Always been something that wasn't very evident, and but this makes it so solidly part of the story. It's like okay, so Obi Wan has to come up with a plan, and Obi Wan comes up with a plan, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it sort of brings it to the forefront of your attention. Like this is someone who is a very methodical thinker, you know. And then, it, and you know, as seen, you know, like in Attack of the Clones, yeah, like he was the detective, like he tracked it down and he figured it was he solved the mystery. And it's really easy to kind of. Like like float along inside that plot like a jellyfish without like taking like looking at it like from an outside perspective but like in this particular episode like seeing those skills come to the forefront and be expressed as such an important part of the plot it's like oh yeah you're like this guy is a thinker he's a strategist you know this there's a reason they made him a general you know <laughs> (laughs) Not only that, but I think that um, I find I really love the way that Ewan's performance is showing and really putting a focus on how centered Obi-Wan is. Like, I've talked about this before, about how I've had this sense of his character. He's very steadfast. He, He doesn't have, like, very sort of like wavering spiky energy like some Star Wars characters do he's always had this like sort of very calm serene center which obviously is something that he learned from Qui-Gon right like that's Qui-Gon's mm. legacy to him and I feel like the choices that Ewan makes with his body language um, it really shows that kind of like sort of that triangular shape you know that they talk about in kinesiology like mm. like a, a wide base and a really stable stance so I, I, I really appreciate the way that he's expressing Obi-Wan's like steadfastness and just the, the the very serene nature of his character in that way.
0: I just want everyone to take a second and appreciate the fact that kinesiology was just brought into this conversation <laughs> uh on obi-wan kenobi in, in a way that is like like i could have never done that pull about a triangular <laughs> shape and, and a wide base like i just i'm sitting here and just and this is this is every week for the three of you right mark like, you <laughs> much. Bryant, like yeah. this,
1: <laughs> we just sit there mouths open like wow uh, <laughs> it was
0: like and i and i you know and i i pride myself on being able to like pick things apart in a certain way and things like that and uh I, if you're listening to this, you know, 90 or plus episodes into the show you, and you've stuck around, you probably enjoy it too. But so yeah, sometimes you hear stuff and it just knocks you, just knocks you on your ass a little bit. I'm like, wow, he really does. Obi-Wan is a triangle. Like, <laughs> I'm going to tweet that with no context. I'm gonna, <laughs> no explanation. <laughs> what shape do you think Star Wars characters are? triangle. Know. That makes so um. much sense. Uh, I love that. Yeah, it, it, it attracts so much with, like you say, with Qui-Gon, who... Much like other characters, like, of course, Leia, um, like Luke, there's characters that, well, Leia's in the story a lot. But like Luke, like uh, Baru, who still hasn't had a scene yet, so I'm assuming she's going to come in in chapter six here. The spirit of Qui-Gon, literally and figuratively in the analysis, hangs over this entire show. Whether it's that Obi-Wan can't break through until he's settled this part of his past till he's reconciled with these feelings which is what i think is going on this is the test of the training that yoda is talking about in revenge of the Sith. that's how i'm interpreting it we'll see what they choose to do or maybe he breaks through to qui-gon in the finale and qui-gon says okay training starts now who knows that's the thing about speculating it's it's Yeah, you're able to track people just being wrong as you listen to their podcasts about their various theories. But the spirit of Qui-Gon for both of these guys, Brotherhood again, I'll cite Mike Chen's Brotherhood. Mike Chen did an incredible job with that book. It's the difference between the two of them on that interpersonal level where, as he says in Attack of the Clones, um, you're the closest thing I have to a father. That's, and also what Dave Filoni says, you know, Obi-Wan is the father Anakin has. Is he the father Anakin needed? Whereas Qui-Gon was, for all intents and purposes, yep. for everything yep. that we've gathered. Whereas Obi-Wan, because Anakin was thrust upon him on the deathbed of somebody that he loved, on the deathbed of someone that you love, you end up with someone that you don't even know, out of duty, and the uh, love grows there, but it's brotherly. You're in Obi-Wan's head in Brotherhood, and he realizes, oh, we're both Qui-Gon's sons. That's not mm-hmm. what Anakin necessarily says, it? With that in mind, with Obi-Wan being our main character here, If we do track this, you're both Qui-Gon's sons idea, they are still acting up in the ways that dad kind of liked and encouraged, where like Qui-Gon knew about his balanced son, his triangle that needed to be a certain way that needed order. Um, And you see that throughout canon, like Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice, where they're both having these moments of, is this the Padawan for me? Is this the master for me? But then you go over to Anakin. And even though Anakin and Qui-Gon's time together was brief, Qui-Gon does encourage in his own way uh, his heroics. He does want him to tap into what feels natural and right for him. He does tell him to feel and, and don't think uh, and, and trust your instincts. His instincts, of course, literally being what's happening with this pod racer, but also on the whole for your life and that's how you end up with Anakin in the last act saying well Qui-Gon told me to stay in here and that's what I'm going to do and he flies away in this ship. He has his <laughs> crazy kid and he has his, his stable bookish kid. So how do you feel before we move on to other stuff about the way that these two versions in this show track with everything that came before? Because I would argue before I pass the mic over to whoever that New Canon has done such I mean Legends had a lot of back and forth different writer perspectives like our vader and anakin what, what where's the line and new canon i think has done such a good job of saying there is no line it's it's the guy obi-wan i think a lot of people misinterpret obi-wan saying you know vader killed your father um more machine now than man those are someone who loved him rationalizing his own drama it's not a thesis that's not what star wars is saying and i think that now more than ever anakin skywalker and vader are one and, and you see the guy. I mean, it cuts from that first saber clash in this episode to the Vader mask. So how, how did you feel about how far we've come with these two?
1: Okay, so I'm going to go with what, cause we've seen Brian was just talking about this, right? He said in the past, he thought of Vader and Anakin as two different people, right? Mm-hmm. But now he's like, that line is gone now. Now I'm seeing this character and how they, you know, they got to this point, they absolutely are. Anakin and Vader, all one, you know, um, and 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 the show has done a lot to kind of make that more visible, which I think is great. Do you know, what, what you were talking about, like uh, Qui Gon's influence on them both, like you're saying, at that battle on the the first battle on Death Star, you know, where Vader and Kenobi meet for the last time, the fact that they are having those two different battles, I mean, it it is awesome to think of Ben being like, well, I'm here to kind of finish off what I need to, this is the end of my mission, but I am going to continue going on, right? Mm-hmm. With the teachings of what we have yet to see happens with Qui-Gon and and Ben and, like, how he gets them to that point, right? I hope, he, like you said, I hope he, it almost ends, like, with that happening. It doesn't even have to be, like, throughout the show. It's just that's how you end the series with him finally connecting and it's, like, that's going to be where his journey takes him next and that's what occupies his time as he watches over Luke and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. But we may not get that visually, but in my mind, I would love to see that. Absolutely,
2: but yeah. Yeah, I've always, like, there's always been, like, I've always, like, challenged Brian whenever he's talked about the separateness of Vader and Anakin because, I mean, if you want to talk about the thesis of Star Wars, like, I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's like, the thesis of Star Wars is that everyone has everything inside of them. We are all capable of anything. And the only thing that differentiates someone who is heroic from someone who is not heroic are their choices. That's good that's beautiful because we we always have a choice Mm -hmm. you know we cannot we can choose what values we're gonna live out? We're gonna ch- we can always choose where we want to put our energy and and what's important to us. And I have also said before that I'm I totally see Anakin inside of this Vader, like especially when he was torturing Obi Wan in, pre- in a previous episode. Oh yeah. You know, it's like it's kind of like this sort of childish petulance <laughs> is, is sort of floating around his need to hurt and punish Obi Wan you know um and
0: for it to be equal for it to be the same way
2: yeah, yeah. oh yeah it has to be this yeah of course because it's like
0: so sheath palpatine
2: it's
3: like
0: the whole like as once i fell so falls the last skywalker yeah. like i'm gonna make sure that there's fire and I'm gonna <laughs> through it and I'm gonna... <laughs> yeah that's right yeah <laughs> um
2: yeah so yeah no i'm i'm yeah i'm i'm loving it but one thing that's really i'm finding kind of confounding is that we see obi-wan's familiarity with anakin's combat style and the fact that he is very impatient and is into instant gratification and a lot of brute force behind his moves and yet vader played riva so subtly, you know, it's it's like this sort of contradiction. Like we get to see sort of this character in their wholeness. you know, they're not just their impetuousness. Mm. When it's time to be strategic, and be underhanded and play the long game, if that's gonna benefit them, then that's what they're gonna do. Which is yeah. kind of an interesting paradox to have in the character in the episode, right? Great. It's like on the one hand, you have him sort of doing this like battering ram of aggression against Obi-Wan, but then you have sort of the subtle velvet glove of subterfuge happening with Reva.
0: I agree with that and I think that's so <laughs> fascinating. And I love the way that you you phrased that too with, with this confounding contradiction where it's interesting because it's almost like when you, and so much of this conversation conversation and so much of what's been on my mind since watching it is the idea of how we all, whether you admit it or not, people listening, you know that there's a person where you've always been having the same fight. And whether it's, we're sparring, I think, what is this, 13 years prior? We're sparring 13 years prior, or we're here and the stakes are, I've never been higher, lives are on the line and we're on opposite sides. It's still the same Clash is still the same butting of heads. And what happens in that, I think a lot of the time when you have that moment in your life where you're like, oh, I'm, I love this person, but I know when I see them, it's going to be this. Can't bring this topic up. You can't do this. Is that they make you revert back to a version of yourself that you're not.
2: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really shows how this confrontation is, it's personal. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not about who Vader is as a warrior. It's about Vader slash Anakin's relationship with
1: Obi-Wan. Unfinished yeah. business. <laughs> yeah. And again, and
2: this ties back into what I was talking about in a previous episode where someone was all like, well, why bring Obi-Wan into this at all? You know, if you're a powerful senator and someone kidnaps your kid, like, why do you need to hire some washed up Jedi? And it's like, the thing is, they don't want him for his skills or for what he can and can't do. They wanted him because he was Obi-Wan. So this is showing you... Right. It's because it's Obi Wan. It's personal. Mm -hmm. It's something that is special and unique to this particular character that, you know, that he has relationships and he has history and backstory that no one else in the Star Wars universe does with this, with Vader.
0: And it's like what Bale says like, you're the only one, particularly for the mission, you're the only one that knows how important she is. Yeah. Only one that knows the truth. And I think that this show has finally, um, before we get back into the Vader stuff, this show has finally elevated Bale and Brea to the same playing field as Obi-Wan and Yoda, where we've always seen in Revenge of the Sith since 2005 that you know it was these three guys at the table, Brea waiting on Alderaan. It was these four adults that became the most important secret keepers and knowledge keepers in the galaxy. They all, everyone's life changed that day and they all decided that they were going to hold down the future of everything together. And Bale's able to tap into that with Obi-Wan. That's why when Obi-Wan says like, "Send, send the military, send the bounty hunter. And it's like, it's not that they theoretically couldn't get her back, but it's about the fact that when the subtleties come up, be that for sensitivity, be that the way that she is because Bale can see it too. He knew Padme. He worked intimately with her. Like you want someone that's going to have those insights and insights into Vader. So to loop it back into into those changes of it it being personal. Anakin I think it's, I love that contrast that you brought up with the way that he is with Reva because Anakin's been, you know, walking tall for 10 years, at least in public. You know, obviously he's suffering, but he gets his Inquisitorius which we get explored in the Charles Soule comics and the Ahsoka a novel and, and rebels of course he has this group that he's able to run with an iron fist that he's able to use and abuse and kill willy-nilly and dismember them and they are just him taking out his rage on the, really the remnants of the jedi it's either you're a dead jedi or you're an inquisitor uh, and i will you know he even calls reba youngling at the end of this episode because yes. <laughs> with the dark side, I think it's about comfortability of the elements too. In the dark side, he can be this Neo from the Matrix, Vader, dodging everything because he's embraced it. And he's he's, he's been slurping this, this dark side Kool-Aid for the, for the last decade. But once Anakin Skywalker is addressed, this part of himself that he's trying to bury, Obi-Wan even says he wouldn't want that revealed, who he was. Obi-Wan doesn't know that. Yeah, everyone doesn't know how Palpatine's running his ship. He just knows the way that this guy thinks. Yeah. Um. Once the light side is brought into it, even a little bit, it reminds me of the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah, he's Vader, but he picks up Ahsoka's little blue blade and he has that moment of looking at it and it's like mm. so talk to me about how you feel about that difference let's explore that a little bit more before we get into some of the action new siege stuff what is the what was your feelings about vader being like ah, oh, i got bamboozled by the old two ships trick uh but then also <laughs> also being like ha we got you here's gwen inquisitor fresh off the the hospital <laughs> fresh out of the hospital with his <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I... the appearance of the Grand Inquisitor, does this like can sort of can't like confirm that the, the comics, like the comic that we saw was canon? That like the Grand Inquisitor is basically like in- an enslaved entity to Vader, like enslaved through like dark side magic. I think who, so. like, cannot Who's like unkillable and can just, he just belongs to Vader.
0: Well, I think that the, the, the literal reason that they told Rupert was that Powans have two stomachs but I like what you're going with way more. <laughs> uh, and, and both can be true because we've yeah. seen the Grand Inquisitor, because of his tomfoolery, be that good or bad with his like, because he's sort of like the voldemort type character of the thirst for knowledge. Like, let me into the restricted section and Jocasta News. Like, no, slap on the wrist. Like, we've seen him be tied to powerful light and powerful dark, whether that's in the light side visions and of Kanan's final tests of knighthood. It's him, whether that's Luke now in, the, in these post-Empire comics, seeing him perpetually burning. He's just constantly in his death from rebels, constantly on fire, damned like a doomed spirit. So it's interesting for sure.
1: I was gonna add that going back to the Reva and Bader and their moment, um, I think some of that is because He's been under, like, Palpatine's wing since, you know, the end of Revenge of the Sith, right? So there's going to be some teaching there, which I think will have changed him somewhat. You know, we have that, like you said, the absolutely Anakin still in there. But then there's this other part of him that has gotten different teachings since then. And with the Sith usually backstabbing each other and always trying to kill each other one form or another, you kind of have to become that person and expect somebody within to backstab you like the way was gonna happen here, right? And mm-hmm. with the Grand Inquisitor involved in all of it, they were playing the long game, they knew Reba would come to this point, right? So it's like it's almost like he knew to expect this, so it wasn't such a big surprise, they were waiting for it to happen, right? right?
0: And then we get to that moment, and so- even with like they haven't directly done the, and maybe it'll be a comic or a, a yeah. novel or something. It would be probably be a really great dark YA um, yeah. to do sort of like a, a Rise of Reva type thing. But the pieces that we have of she is that young, that youngling. She was stabbed, and it's like, well, you know, she says, "I, I hid," a, a just. Moses Ingram just destroyed um, all of her scenes in this episode. My but God, yeah, it, she was on fire. Those uh,
2: performances were incredible.
0: Everybody, yeah, I mean, her. She has probably my new favorite Star Wars scream when she's can't she just can't move the saber. She's trying. Oh, amazing! But she has that line of, <laughs> "I waited for the, I waited until the bodies were cold," which is just like, oh, like it's
2: so horrifying. Yeah, haunting, yeah.
0: absolutely yeah. haunting. Um, and with that you know, grand inquisitor says we got you from the gutter so like you could sort of piece these things together you know the inquisitorius chooses their membership she's the lowest of them quote unquote she's young you gotta wonder like if when they did pick her up and start to break her mentally and emotionally like we know they do ninth sister says it second sister says it the torture of trilla and fallen order you gotta wonder if vader saw her and was like oh okay you're one of those kids got it Mm. i'm gonna gonna back pocket this information yeah exactly Uh, I, i would love for keep her around even if she is frustrating because she's gonna be like my attack dog Like she Mm -hmm. is, she is in a constant state of rage where Grand Inquisitor is always at more of a simmer. He's very (laughs) hoity-toity. He's kind of like Dooku in that way. His whole, just his everything. Like (laughs) I love Rupert Fred in this role so much. Like, hello, sister. (laughs) Like he's just so just arrogant Um, where Reva is in a constant state of wanting to explode. So I thought that it was a really interesting thing to see Vader having played that. And I think you're right, Mark. Like, that's the nature of the dark side. Yeah. You cannot cannot ever have uh, a moment where you think, like, we're a team. I'm not a team. You
2: know? Yeah. No. No. But there's you, there's nothing yeah. good. Like there's nothing good living on the dark side, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's no there's no such thing as loyalty or hope, nope. solidarity or compassion. Yeah. Like to live on the dark side, that's what that means. That's It Means that yeah. you. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. It's complete isolation from your own humanity.
0: You see, sort of like the fight for what is left of these individuals, whether that is Reva trying to make a better choice um, or a you know a self-serving choice that happens to help the good. Because there's a difference. I've seen some people say, oh, Reva's turn. It's like, Reva did not turn. Reva took her shot and it was yeah. advantageous for good. Someone who turned would be like Tala, who was an Imperial officer who does make the better choice and yeah. has made it and is yeah. repenting and details what she's been doing to repent and to, to try to make it better. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that. Well,
2: I mean, that was, pur- that was that's a purposeful contrast, right?
0: Yeah, it has to be. I I mean, that's the that's what you said about choices, which I love. Like everyone in Star Wars is everything, and you can always make the next best choice. Isn't that a song in Frozen Two? Or is the do next, the next
2: right thing. Do
0: the next right thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I said before when I saw Frozen Two, I was like, is this the sequel trilogy? As a movie? Yeah. like, I feel like there's so much going on here. I, I love Frozen Two. Um, but yes, it is exactly that. Thank you, yeah. Princess Anna, for illustrating what Star Wars is. Um, <laughs> it's spot on. So let's talk about some of the ins and outs of like what's actually going on here. there's Jabim, it's this planet, it's from legends. it's there's shades of I mean of course the, the direct comparison is order 66 where realizing it or not until Obi-wan says there are families here, children that oh, I am perpetuating the cycle of violence, the cycle of hate, the cycle of darkness. I'm doing the charging now. you also see these parallels, of course in like last Jedi. With the siege of the crate base, um, and you know the siege cannon—that's sort of like a smaller scale version of that—with yep. um, this hangar that everybody's hiding in. Roken's trying to get his people out. I love Roken. I love how yeah. he's a big picture guy. You know, he's he's understanding that something important's happening here he's not super privy to it but he is willing to trust even if he is like hardened and he should be and he has every right to be they bring they bring uh haja s tree back into the fold because haja's like hey what's up guys uh i got nowhere to go <laughs> which i thought was <laughs> so relatable such a relatable motivation um and then our other players tala ned b of course leia Um, Leia who gets to exercise The tiniest redemption arc we've ever had With Lola Uh, Lola Lola Briefly turned to the dark And and redeemed Um, talk to me about some of the action that stood out to you. Things that that you were excited by. Little beats.
2: I mean, can we talk about losing Ned B and Tala? Like,
0: yeah, we can. <laughs> it's super depressing. It's, it's so, so. It's so Rogue One. It. It's so uh, you get it, and you and it feels thematically right. It feels story right. But God, I was sad. Cause yes. I just loved not just the performance. Indira Varma is incredible, but what that character was representing and saying for the path for this idea of canonically a timeline wise for us that the viewers of the imperials that we know an early example of somebody realizing what was up yeah. um, what was going on that you know yeah. this is uh, a decade before Bodhi and a decade before Galen Urso would turn and you yeah. know, well before people like Aiden Versio would turn. Like Tala was sort of an OG in that way. And I like what she gave to Obi-Wan, sort of giving him permission to not be okay and permission to, in, in the most layman non-fantasy terms, she's saying, hey man, the past is hard. No one is begrudging you for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, which I thought was so... You need somebody to give you that permission. It's, it's frustrating to see, like, to lose a character like that. But at
1: the same time, I think that for Leia being exposed to somebody like this character and the journey that we got to see her being on during the time period that they were together, including her sacrifice, this is a big part of what Leia takes in, right? This is going to be super important as the rebellion comes to a head and she's the leader and she realizes that there's going to be many people like this who will give up their lives along the way for the fight, because there's always going to be somebody like this, even somebody who is on the inside who ends up realizing they're on the wrong side and they're going to help. And it just, it, it really, yeah. So the character embodied a lot of what we're going to see later. And I absolutely yes. love that little Leia saw this.
2: And what a role model. Yeah, like, yeah. what a role model for Leia, for someone mm-hmm. who worked to undermine the system from within it. There you go. You know, because Leia is so smart. Like, she's not stupid. And she would have learned as her life went on about how the original republic fell and how sometimes trying to change like trying to work within a system that has corruption in the middle of it. Like you can't, you, you can't always affect change that way. Sometimes you have to step outside of it. You have to rebel, you know, you have to do something underhanded. You have, and you have to think creatively and be it's bold so true. and like make bold choices. You know, I, I feel like having an example of someone like Tala, like at such a formative time in her life, it would have shaped Leia's ideas about how you affect change and how you fight the system, you know?
0: Yeah, and I love the way that this is working together. I mean, this is what I'm always preaching on and on and on about, about the tapestry of Star Wars, where because it's not like an MCU or like other franchises that there's a constant forward momentum and occasionally we'll do a Black Widow and we'll step back a year or something. But because Star Wars is always building forwards and backwards. It's constantly filling in gaps. You can look at something like Princess of Alderaan, where she's 16 and she finds out about her parents' role in the rebellion proper. And in that book, it already played beautifully. But now we can apply this knowledge and know, well, why would she take to that? Who would she relate them to? What is her understanding of the cause? You know, it's not just I'm, oh, I'm finding out about my parents and this rebellion thing. It's I'm finding out my parents are like Tala, are like this, are like exactly. that. And so the way exactly. that that builds forward, Mark, you brought up that point about her understanding that people are going to, sometimes going to be people on the inside, on, on the bad side that are going to need yeah. to turn. you to have to believe in them too. I mean, Leia never for a second questions Aiden or Del or... 30 years later, she never questions Finn because she knows that help is going to come from unexpected places. Mm-hmm. You know, when when yeah. Finn arrives at the base on Takar, she's like, oh, he's a stormtrooper? Cool. Anyway, like... <laughs> yeah. Like, like she,
2: <laughs> and it all started with Tala.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is so yeah. so key. And the pretending aspect, you know, is it hard to pretend all the time? Like she asks her in episode three and then that's, that's Leia from here then to 16 to finding out about her role we also see in the episode uh, princess on the fall and rebels which is also when she's 16
3: oh yeah
0: i having to put that all together of like yeah. oops our ships got stolen but it's really helping the rebellion by giving up these cruisers all the way of course to carry in a new hope facing yeah. down tarkin and vader that all comes back to this and i think that even though leia's role in this episode is small it's also the understanding of oh, God, i just had a thought I'm having a thought live on air. Incredible how that happens sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I joked at the beginning of it's so Lego Star Wars. Like, do we have any small characters around here to get into yeah, this? Exactly. Event? Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> but we'll switch main characters. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, all right. We'll switch with you. you and you switch. Um, yeah. You get her a ladder, um, which yeah. I loved. Obi Wan endorsing her and saying, "I trust her." But Leia is also that person that understands those perspectives, of course, in this instance it is her she knows she is small because she is 10 this is also the woman who would later meet wicket and give wicket this little snack that snack (laughs) saved the galaxy yeah yeah you and brian he truly is your dad that (laughs) that 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 snack that she gives Wicket, letting her letting him see the helmet, like it's because she can look at people and say, "Oh, got it. Okay, I understand." And that's something that it's hard for Luke to learn that because when Luke meets Yoda, he judges him by his size. He doesn't pass the initial test. Yoda goofing around and trying to take his stuff. Like it's very hard for Luke to look beyond. It's very easy for Leia to do that. They're two halves. Yeah. Um, Where Luke's Luke's force ability is very kinetic. It's very appropriately knightly. It's very Mm -hmm. classic. It's very much based on the actions, push, pull, being able to focus my shot, all that stuff. Leia's is all about the mind. That's why she's able to pull a a Ray versus Kylo and completely resist a mind probe without trying. You know, she just gets it, and you see that in so many different ways. I love it.
3: Great. I love it. Yeah. I (laughs) I love. I love
0: that. Like this is. I love that. It's like still. Because Star Wars keeps like revisiting people. This is why, like, I'm just gonna say, if you're out there and you're like, I'm tired of legacy characters, I challenge you to not be charmed by ten year old Leia. You are not tired Seriously. of visiting legacy characters. You're just yeah. you're just having a moment. Have a juice box. Come back to the <laughs> playground. It's great. Uh, Vivian Lyra Blair for Best Supporting Actress Emmy. She's amazing, and and it's amazing that we can have that moment of the three of us now all grown adults being like, Princess Leia is great. It's like yes. you know, years yes. later, like it's, it's still still wowing us. Um, well,
2: and another another interesting part of that scene that I found was I loved that it was her that discovered Lola's insidious <laughs> thing that she had going yeah. on, yeah. like because I feel like if it had been another character, they would have been like, oh, dang. like you know, and like mm. tried to smash her or thrown her in. The wall, but like yeah. water. Because, but because there's already that relationship of trust. Like again, we go back to the theme of trust in this episode. Like mm-hmm. because there's this relationship of trust between her and Lola. She's just like, oh, a restraining bolt. Okay, I'll just take that off. Bye. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then the problem is solved. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no need to like throw anybody against the wall.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes back to like that that the what we saw at the beginning with her and like the way she has compassion for droids, right? So it just, it, it's an important thing that was set up early on. I mean, obviously we'd see this later as well too, but just the fact that, yeah, she did her first instinct was to like swat it with like the nearby like space hammer or something, right? You know, it's like, let's get to the root of the problem here. What's going on, right? Why, this is not Lola, which is what's going on. So it was, it was, Cool to see that moment. And yeah, it came super quick, but it's like, well, it needed to happen because we had other things going on, you know? <laughs> so no, we kind of needed exactly. to get past that point. But, um, but yeah, I, I have to, I, going back to what you were both talking about, I mean, the fact that we have this new actress playing Leia and it only makes us love the character even more. It, it, it's, just, it's beautiful to see this actress just completely support the legacy of what's already being set up by Leia and of course, Carrie. You know, it all fits together. It only makes you love that character even more. And I mean, that's such a cool way of paying tribute to that person when they're gone, you know, gone way too soon. And I love that we're seeing this right now. I mean, we didn't have to wait 20 years for this to happen. I
2: feel like we needed this. Mm -hmm. Like I, my overwhelming feeling, especially in the, in the, Pilot episode of Obi-Wan of seeing Leia mischievous, carefree, (laughs) feisty, headstrong. I needed that. I needed to see her like that again.
0: I did too. I think it's such a powerful choice on every level that you've both said of of this legacy, this immense legacy. And it's almost fascinating. Like I'm looking forward to 10 years from now, 20 year old Vivian Lyra Blair like being able to speak on this cuz it's almost like to be to be 10 it's like does she even yeah. have a concept of and of course she does cuz she's incredibly talented but you, she can't even I think really realize it while she's in it, and I think that it's going to be really interesting to see her perspective. And and if she keeps playing this role, I mean, because there's like six free years there in canon to do some <laughs> some fun uh, Alderon shenanigans, some, some debutante balls gone gone wild, and awesome. like, like all types of politicking. Like who knows what will happen? But I also love that on the practical level, well, on a script level, it's like. We need a reason good enough to get Obi Wan to abandon the sacred mission of being on Tatooine that we've all our entire lives think thought he never left.
2: And creepily stalking Luke with binoculars. Hey, how you
0: doing? Here's a toy. Um, The but then you know for this episode, I think that they've placed her so well because it's like this is this is where the adults are gonna have their spat. Um, we can't a we can't have Vader see her. We can't have Vader meet her at least not yet because I think if I don't know the answer to this, somebody can let me know. when did vader and leia meet is that established in canon i'm not sure i can't remember if vader's not in princess of alderaan tarkin is but i you know if he ever did it was probably just like seeing senators and their families but they can't meet here and she can't can't know that obi-wan has a child with him and so it's an elegant sort of where do we put her and where they put her is in this position to be able to liberate everyone else yeah like it's, it's a very small thing of like i'm fixing some wires. I love the comparisons to Grogu uh, also trying to fix wires (laughs) in the race. (laughs) Here's a small creature, get in there, fix something. Um, But the fact that what she's doing couldn't be done by grownups. She she is the future and she is going to save everyone. She is going to open it up so you can all ascend. This is not subtle sometimes, people. Sometimes it's right there.
3: Sometimes you're like,
0: oh, look, she's opening up a big gate so people can live. Yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's so powerful in that way. Um, we segued out of Tala into Leia, but I do want to say, going back to that real quick, I love that it's a May the Force Be With You, uh, which was powerfully placed. And it was one of those moments of, oh, I haven't heard that in this Star Wars yet. Yeah. It was strange. It's like It's like, whenever you hear, I've got a bad feeling about this. You're like, ah, there yeah. it is. That was powerful so much of Star Wars is about passing the baton. You know, that's sort of what you get in Rogue One. Like, they die in succession because each of their... They they didn't all die in one big explosion. It's all the effort that is the domino effect that gets us all the way to where we need to be. With her holding the line there, actually with Ned B holding the line Yeah. so she could hold the line, is able to get Obi-Wan over here. So it's all, you know, that group effort. And I would also like to add the tragedy of Ned B and us never getting to figure out what exactly... That big lovable guy was thinking. Um, <laughs> what was his deal <laughs> when Leia? When Leia said, "Like, what if he has something to say?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna get a moment where Ned B is gonna like—I don't know if he's gonna talk because he can't, but like, where he's gonna communicate somehow—and then yeah. and, and then he died. R.I.P. I'm gonna buy all your merch, Ned. Um, oh
2: yeah. <laughs> so, R.I.P., Ned. but you know, uh, one congrats. thing I have to say about Tala telling Obi Wan, "May the Force be with you," like that was so. That was such a powerful reflection of their relationship, Mm -hmm. like encapsulation, because she understood that he was a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And that was his role. And I think that one of the reasons why she was so insightful about his trauma was not necessarily that she understood his, like, Obi-Wan's trauma of what he had been through. But I think she was sort of seeing it through the lens of, like, the things that every Jedi has been through Mm. in this in this period of time in the galaxy, you know, like, because through her time with the path, she would have seen other Jedi who were broken and who were traumatized by Order 66 and who were, you know, like, you know, um, what's, you know, just like traumatized by having to live on the run, you know, and having to live in secret.
0: They're all in an identity crisis. And we see like, okay, like we know that Jabim was where they would set them up with new identities. So you hear that in the previous episodes, and then you see the crate of sabers, you see the cloaks, and it's an interesting... So you see, like, Obi-Wan reads that message about, you know, something about the light fading. The
2: light fades, but it's not forgotten.
0: But it's not forgotten. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, it's that. Then he sees the remnants of survivors, but they left their lives behind, and maybe they didn't even make it much longer, because they're still going to be hunted, Um, and we know that, you know, the nine years till New Hope's, Long time for a lot of people to die, uh, yeah. but what's happening there that I love is then he adds he adds one of the cloaks yeah. and he put, he puts that on where he left the blue uniform of working and chopping up meat. Then he put on the wa- what they're calling wandering outfit, the wandering Jedi yeah. uh,
3: mm-hmm.
0: on the toys. Then he gets this new tunic. Now I've added the robe, and I am waiting. I want my yeah. long skirt. I want yeah. my long Obi Wan skirt uh, <laughs> in, in the final <laughs> scenes of this episode. Yeah. Um, it's been such a nice evolution. Uh, and someone out there is like, "It's just so they can sell you action figures." Well, you know, mm, what? no, no, yeah. I'm here
1: for it. <laughs> Isn't it almost? Would you say it's almost like a samurai journey? Because that reminds you of Ghost of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think about like the outfits and how on your journey things get a little better to where you you get to your final form, so to speak. You know, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and just just the fact that. Yeah, the the clothes have informed the journey and to me, yeah. Okay, so it's those action figures because I'm gonna want these particular like ways the characters look. That's part of what I love about Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just the fact that yeah, it does it doesn't even have to be a verbal like I'm at this point, you know, yeah. trying to point where we're at in the story. It simply is just a matter of putting a piece of clothing on or mm-hmm. taking on a new weapon or something to say, here's where we're at and right you, now. And
0: you- trust the viewers star wars trusts you to be able to like there are kids that like i like obviously i love star wars rebels we do a whole show here about it but like in in star wars rebels season four there are going to be tons of small children that are not going to understand what Kanan's haircut means yeah Yeah. they're going to know it means something
3: yeah yeah it's it's
0: good to to present stories right above the kids sometimes
1: right yeah exactly
0: you know like, like i took my this is a completely different tone of story uh and some of some people listening are gonna say why would you take a child to see that i took my nephew to see dune and he was I think it was a fine age for it. He's eleven. Yeah. Um, I took him to see Dune, and and the movie finished, and I and he goes, Theo, that was amazing. And I said, Yeah, it was great, right? I oh, said, I love that he calls you Theo. Theo,
1: yeah, Theo, that was so
0: amazing. <laughs> and I, and I said, You liked it? He goes, Yeah. I said, Did you understand it? And he goes, No. <laughs> I, I had a great time watching it, it and I remember that quote because yeah. it tells you that it sits in your brain, yeah, and and that it. We all have those formative experiences like i don't think i got what was happening the first time that i saw him. yeah he cut down and he disappeared like yeah. but it doesn't matter so someone's gonna see this transformation of obi-wan and that's gonna be a thing that they hold on to because it always has to be about the next generation like weirdly enough as weird as a concept as this is to many of us that are so in this this show will be the first time that somebody sees obi-wan yeah. Uh, you know, yep. Someone, whoever that someone is, yeah, and they're going to get the full picture of who this guy is. And I'm wondering almost if he abandons the mullet at the end of
2: it,
0: <laughs> because obviously Alec Guinness was not rocking one. Uh, yeah, in New exactly. Hope. He could have, but he wasn't.
2: But I wanted to say about obi-wan taking on the robe is that i think it really speaks to a central part of his character which is that he has always been a committed jedi
3: Mm-hmm. Like, he's not
2: going to discard that identity. He's like, he could, but he's not going to. Instead of, he, he comes to a place where other Jedi have cast aside their identities
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he doubles down.
0: Oh, I love that. And it's this
2: so is weird. the same thing that we have, that we've seen him do like in the prequels, you know, like, and, and also during Clone Wars, also contrasting, you know, his relationship with Satine versus Anakin's relationship with Padme. Like Anakin was not willing to hesitate when it came to having a forbidden connection with Padme. Mm-hmm. And even though we know, like, Obi-Wan tells us that he would have left the order for Satine, he doesn't. And I presume that he could have done it earlier before yeah. she yeah. was cut down. And you know, says, it's like, like,
0: had you asked me to. yeah puts the onus on her. That's
2: the thing. Yes, exactly. It's like, you know, so, and, and, you know, and then we, we have this in other aspects as well of the story. We have this contrast of Obi-Wan's commitment to the Jedi Order versus Anakin wavering as to whether, you know, this is something that he's all in on. Yeah. Because it's not fulfilling for him, you know. Whereas for Obi-Wan, it's like a central tenet of his identity. Mm-hmm. And we, so we continue to see this even as he enters a later part of his life.
0: And when he's talking to little Leia and they're having that conversation about family, Family about being, you know, she's adopted and he makes the comparison of joining the Jedi Order. He's able to say, and then I got a new family. Anakin yeah. never felt that. Nope. Anakin was... Nope. An add on yeah. at best. Yeah. He was a novelty.
2: He was in the sidecar. Yes. He was
0: <laughs> constantly in the sidecar with Mace Windu yeah. glaring at him. That's yeah. right, exactly. Yes. Like, That's like, right. like, I keep referencing Brotherhood, but there are great moments in that book where Anakin will just be doing something and it's like, and Mace Windu was watching from the doorway and then exactly. like, it's like, like, Mace Windu like, haunts Anakin around. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> i love it a classic sam jackson stare <laughs> exactly. um but i love so much what you said about doubling down at that crossroads because it, it you go back to that first episode when he's telling nari um what to do and nari's like come on obi-wan like it's you and he's like no i'm Ben now and he's like all right all right here's here's the deal bury your saber you know what man you could have destroyed it and you didn't. You could have yeah. melted it down. You could have taken it apart. No, you yeah. put them both in a nice box and you knew exactly where it was the entire time.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah.
0: always had one foot in. And it reminds exactly. me of it reminds me of actually like Dark Knight Returns when Bruce Wayne, now in his fifties, is on the verge of becoming Batman again. And Alfred's like, hmm, I sort of see if something's up. Bruce is staying up late. He's watching you know Zorro and there's that moment and he <laughs> he goes into the back cave one night and Bruce is standing there in his underwear and Bruce had grown a mustache in his old age
1: mm-hmm. and the mustache is
0: gone and he's like Bruce you sh-, you know or, uh, sorry must away you shaved your your mustache and Bruce touches his face he doesn't even realize he did it <sighs> and and that tells you that like he's He's Batman again. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It took yeah. over. He disassociated from yeah. old Bruce. He, yeah. he doesn't even realize that it happened. Yeah. And not that Obi-Wan is, you know, an old, an old Ben are such a stark contrast, but it is that idea of you really, really could have left it behind. Even someone like Seer and Fallen Order, who's still a Jedi, goes further. Yeah. She doesn't use her sabers, she, you know. That's right. She
2: cuts yeah. herself from off from the forest, just she like Luke did Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Even Luke goes further. Obi-Wan yeah. does not come. Off, he's afraid of doing it and he's afraid that he might not be able to, yeah, but he can still feel it. He's still calling to Qui-Gon all the time. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi is the model. I mean, he's a model employee, he is, uh, he is. (laughs) the guy, you know, if Stellan Gios was the guy in the higher Republic, Obi-Wan is the guy uh, in the Republic proper that, that falls. Yeah. He is the dude um, yeah. in every way. Never fails. He's the one that they send to negotiate. He's the one that they send to get Grievous. He's the one that investigates in Clone Wars. He's he's the guy. And he's fulfilled by that. Like you're saying, he loves that.
2: Yeah. And and I mean, and to bring up Nari again, like, you know, he you get this feeling when he's telling Nari to like bury his saber and forget it about the force like it's very like for thee, not for me mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he could have even he could have even just invited nari to stay with him yeah. until you know but he knew they could like, be
1: smelly smelly brothers in the force so. exactly it's like it's not
2: you know he could have invited him to like share in his path you know if yeah. obi-wan really yeah. felt safe but it's like he, he but he knows he hasn't left it behind the way he's telling Mari to do
0: mmm I don't know you could there's almost a pain in the way you would in- plays it too like it's it's taking everything in his power to force these words out yeah bury it in the sand the fight is done. it's like those are all things that you absolutely do not mean um yep. yeah and if, and if the fight was done, why are you guarding the next heroes you know it, it's it's a little bit of um it's you know to bring it back to Satine, when she introduces. Obi-Wan to the Mandalorians and she calls him the being of half-truths and hyperbole is known as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of the greatest burns of all time. Truly it's true. So um, great. Uh, now let's talk about Reva because again, uh, we could be here until the sun comes up and we're having a, a blast <laughs> but it'll take it to this dark place because... Yeah. I think it was safe to say that 99% of us assumed that either Reva was one of those kids or that Reva would be right around the corner mm-hmm. and that we would revisit that scene. We were going back to that scene in some yep. way. And now we do. And we see that not only was she affected directly, um, she w- literally physically encountered the newly christened Darth Vader. It wasn't just, I saw him and I hid. She was stabbed. Um, and it tells it says a lot about her... Survival instinct about her her frame of mind as this traumatized child that she was able to tap into this rage in Star Wars that's a thing rage as a way to live. Maul obviously popularized this. Um, we see it now again with Grand Inquisitor. The idea that people can tap into something so dark and so powerful and so unnatural that they can survive that. So that's already a grim thought. That there's a child with a saber hole through their gut. And they're there, holding on to the idea already of everything that they've lost, and that's propelling her forward. But we get the confirmation again of more stuff that was often speculated, which is that yes, it's a hunt for Kenobi, but it's a hunt for Kenobi to get as close in with the boss as possible to destroy him and potentially them both, but mostly him. Uh, how did you feel about the way that this is all played? This conversation by the door this revelation of what the powers at be are actually doing here with our three saber wielding characters, uh, particularly the fact that it's a, it's a nice, um, I am not turning to the light side. However, I just so happen to have your goals and that ethical question that I brought up at the front, which is Obi-Wan, did he have a better option? Is it right to sick one dark side on another in the spirit of survival?
1: Like I think it, the, the thing is that Reba has to, she has to deal with this. This has obviously been a big part of her journey, right? Up until this point. And just like how Ben will have to face Vader, just like how Luke will have to face Vader, Reva absolutely has to do this as well too. And however that journey ends, right? I mean, I-, I hope we haven't seen the last her. I don't think she's gone just yet. Right. I think we will probably, I hope we get at least one more episode of her, but I hate the fact that she even got hurt. I don't want to see her die. What are you going to do? Right. Unfortunately happens more often than not. Um, but I love that they've given this character so much depth and it all really came to a head when we saw this episode and how everything turned out. We went back to that moment. Like you said, I think a lot of us already had this idea in our head that this is where it was headed, but that to finally see it and to see it now, because I'm glad they're not waiting until the last episode to tie everything up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're leaving it open for whatever we're going to see in this last episode. And I, I really, really appreciate the way that the journey was handled. Um, and that they got the duel. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it didn't go the way that Reba wanted it to go, obviously. But, you know, I, I think she knew in her heart of hearts that there was only going to be so much she's going to be able to do against this powerful character, obviously. I mean, especially after we saw what we did with that damn shit, right? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's like the, the, the stuff of dreams that we've only seen in video games, and now we've actually seen it in live action. It was insane. It's so you terrifying. Know, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's super scary. I mean, and, and, and you know, when it was a fake out and, and in the end, but I, I really loved how this all played out. And I, I, again, I don't think it's all completely done yet. I think we're still going to see, you know, what's going to happen next because she might be able to do the same to bring Bader out somehow to like bait him to like bring him into the, you know, the fight again
0: one last time and mm-hmm. see how that, that works out. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, that's the the interesting thing about where she is is that she's also recon- uh reckoning with the fact that she a runs the risk of enabling Vader, which Obi Wan points out to her like, mm-hmm. "Help me, or else he's gonna do it again." Um, yeah, that room full of people is about to be slaughtered, and then B that you yourself might have become that because the Grand Inquisitor is one step down from him, who's one step down from Palpatine. Like it's yes. a you. In the grand pursuit of vengeance, what did you become? Um, so, Em, if you want to kick that around and talk a little bit about the this pivotal moment um, for her arc.
2: Well, I like the, um, I mean, I do have a background in philosophy, so I kind of really appreciated the <laughs> the questions that it raises of sort of like conscient ethics, like, you know, is an immoral action immoral if the end result could be positive i mean that's that's consequent that's consequentialism which is like you know the earliest writings on that are from demosthenes in ancient greece but like you know consequentialism is the idea that like the ends justify the means so it's like uh, there
0: you go i was just gonna say that. Have,
2: <laughs> if you have like pens a, out
0: everyone pens out <laughs>
2: <laughs> but i mean i thought i i love it when stories explore these universal questions that mm-hmm. people have been wrestling with for like literally centuries because it's so it you know it tickles your brain right and it's so stimulating and engaging it draws you into the story and engages you emotionally and, yeah. and mentally and um i just like the and the way that even, as I've said, like, a million times already on this podcast, even the way that Obi-Wan reveals to Reva, like, saying, like, oh, like, I'm bringing him to you, it's, like, mm. act of service. Jedi through and through. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting, like, it's so complicated. Like, because, obviously, the parallel is there are alternatives to fighting, what he says to Han when they go yeah. into the Death Star. But yeah. Yeah. this is not an alternative, like... We're going to sneaky sneak around. This is Obi-Wan unequivocally knows. I mean, he was a council member master, like the pinnacle of a Jedi. He knows that this young person deserves better than a quest for vengeance that ends in blood, especially yes. when she has rightfully said, where were you? And like, we can be nerds and say, uh, he was on Utapau because he was uh, chasing, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we know. Yeah.
1: It's literally, we ran through my head when she said that, I was like, well. Yeah. Was like- uh, <laughs>
0: he was actually a systems away in the Outer Rim. Um, but it's, 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 it's very like, thematically like, where were you? Because he was your responsibility, yep. yes. No, no one there youngling all the way up to grandmaster didn't yeah. know who the chosen one was and yeah. and, and now she's there yeah. she's we he, you know, she, she hears him get called gets called darth vader as we've seen the holograms that obi-wan yeah. sees and security like she's put it all together and she's able to throw that in obi-wan's face and obi-wan in a moment of desperation makes the choice of ah this young woman does deserve better and it is kind of my fault but at the same time maybe her vengeance blood feud does need to get settled now so we can get out he's choosing he's choosing all of these innocents and and i think accepting what tala was telling him like you Mm. can't obsess over the past and try to fix everything you can internalize this and promise to yourself that there will never be more rivas but at the same time you can you also cannot change like this siege right now is not the time to try to figure out that the dark side is going to cannibalize, like how to stop the dark side from cannibalizing itself. Yeah. It's going to yep. happen. Um, well, then
2: also like Riva's made her choice. Mm-hmm. You know, she's there with her helicopter lightsaber. You know, she could have been one of the people that took the path
0: and she chose not to. She's she in started, that
2: black armor. She's she sort got of a red She started cutting saber. down
0: troopers if she wanted to and they could have escaped or...
2: But I mean, or even like at any point, or At any, any point, in yeah. and know? her
0: investigations and all that, you know.
2: Yeah, or like like joining the Inquisitorius, like all of that, you know. It's yeah. like she's made her choice. She's chosen her side, right? And
0: it's and it's. For selfish reasons, the most justifiable selfish yes. reasons. I justifiable mean, it's reasons, It's yes. like, you know, you look at Darth Vader himself. It's like, oh, well, why is he like this? Um, Slavery. And yep. it's like, well, uh, yeah, that's, you know, of course, one of the most intrinsic flaws of any society and is one the most heinous thing that we've seen in Star Wars outside of outright death is the slave trade in the Outer yep. Rim and what happens. And it's like, so we understand her in the same way we understand Vader. However, it's like, she's not this hero stepping up to the evil Darth Vader to stop him. No, he doesn't care about anything other than his destruction. And so it's, it's that question again, of like you said, um, with the consequentialism, like what is the, the, where do we actually fall in this? And I love when Star Wars asks those questions and it doesn't even need to answer them because sometimes the point is to ask, especially when someone's not fully formed. Obi-Wan is going to be Obi-Wan again by the end of the series, but he still has nine years before he's Alec Yeah. But still more trials and tribulations still more worrying still more- a lot
2: of sun damage
0: so much <laughs> zero moisturizer you want to know why obi-wan could have been moisturized but tika the jawa was stealing uh there you go really? all his all yeah all the moisture <laughs> Yep, that's what happened so
1: you know what's funny i i guess it, hearing you both talk about Um, all this it begs the question how would reba have felt about all this and who would she have placed the blame on if she knew about palpatine and what he was doing behind the scenes to make all this happen right Mm -hmm. how would that have changed the way that she would have approached all this right because if she was privy to that information uh it might have changed who her initial target was going to be
0: and that's the thing is, I think that that's a wonderful question to explore because it's, it speaks to what we're saying about the dark side. Like not only is it isolation, it's never ending, mm. um, which you see with like, let's say, let's say theoretically she does get the one up on Vader and she manages to cut Vader down. And in Vader's last breath, he says like, oh, you know, it was Palpatine. Like, that's why I turned. Then she's mm-hmm. going to want to go after Palpatine. Exactly. And once you go after Palpatine. There's always going to be the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and the next yep. guy. There's always going to be the next thing. It's never you, ends. you will never be satiated. Where that, yeah. That's why the dark side can't let go. That's why yeah. the light side you get to be a luminous blue ghost and the dark side you end up a rotting clone meat hook guy um, because you just <laughs> cannot let go. Uh, yeah. you, you You won't change and you see that with all these people so i
2: don't know Darth Bane turned out pretty cool
0: that's true darth <laughs> bane did turn out rad he had rad rad as hell with his samurai looking skull armor <laughs> looking like ghost rider like yeah yeah darth bane turned out pretty cool but that's a high bar you know truly that's, yeah, yeah that's, we can't
2: we can't all achieve so
0: things, i was maybe, just going to say not everybody can right so these, these high <laughs> heights i mean like that's why we have style icons like not everybody could just be one you know and that's and and it's the thing with the inquisitorious too like the Inquisitorious is designed to be a cog, like they're not Mm. some order. They're not even given the dignity dignity, of being Sith Lords. Um, They are Imperial Stooges that happen to be Force-sensitive. And we see sort of in the visual storytelling, a Sith Lord versus an Inquisitor in this episode. And we see how he makes short work of like, your spitty lightsaber means nothing. We give you that. We give you that. Yeah. Ah. For what we want. But yeah. when I want to take the tool away, I will. You know, yeah. like, yeah, Vader's Absolutely. only, Vader, what, Vader's 32 at this point. Like, he's still a young guy, but he has seniority over all of these people. over Reba, <laughs> the youngling. So it's like, it's so funny because we, we always think Vader is so crusty and pale in Return of the Jedi. He's only yeah. he's in his 40s when he dies. Like, he's yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. Not yeah. All that. yeah you know you forget yeah. sort of like where he is i do um I it just reminded him. me of that one scene sorry oh, no no go ahead, go ahead go ahead you remind me of that one scene in willow
1: like you're thinking about reva and vader fighting of that one scene in Willow, where like willow throws the, the acorn at that Morden and you know yeah. she's all is that the extent of your powers yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was exactly one of my favorite lines ever
0: I, <laughs> I love the escalation of this and we talked about it about how now obi-wan's gone and now he's back in his element okay okay, I can be Vader Vader. Now I could be their boss again, particularly this one who I know is a youngling. You get all that context now. Um, so on a rewatch, it plays even better because it's okay, well, I don't even need to draw my blade to beat you. Then it's okay. Two blades is not going to help you. Spinning the two blades is not going to help you. You know what? How about this? Why don't I help you try to kill me? And it's such a power play. It's, I saw people say like, is he bored? It's like, yeah, on a comedic level, I guess he's bored. Mm-hmm. And yeah. on a badass villain level but for the characters it's A, it's Anakin Skywalker coming out again, wanting that challenge Mm. but B, it's also he knows that this is the youngling that has wanted to strike him for the last decade since he struck her and so he's having this moment of, here, why don't I, I will give you a piece of the toys that we afford you to have, take your shot and by by throwing her off her game you know, playing in, because he's he lives in the dark side. This is somebody who, not dissimilar to to Ben Solo later, is living in it, but cannot revel in it. Can't actually be fully immersed because of the place and the path they took to get into it. Um, so I loved the whole beat of everything. Every Nothing was working. And then, of course, he just boomerangs the saber around and ends up with both. I thought she was going to get dooku for a second. Save really, Oh, I, I literally,
1: was... <laughs> I was like, what's going to happen right I here? Was <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> so terrified. Um,
2: I wasn't, I knew the whole time he was toying with her. <gasps> I felt, scary. I felt like yeah. as soon as you split the saber in two, I felt like he was going to give her one and be like, okay, give me a challenge.
0: Yeah. 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 How did you feel about the parallel, um, which they do visually, getting to see Order 66, Hayden, of uh, Vader walks forward, Anakin walks forward. Yeah. She gets stabbed again in the same yep. spot. How did that all play for you? It was
2: amazing. And again, I think it's a very intentional blurring of the line between Anakin and Vader to drive home the fact that this is one person who took one emotional journey.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I, I wrote in everybody... one of my fics, yeah.
2: From Honor to Evil and Back Again.
0: <laughs> mm, love that. <laughs> Love that. We're going to link that below. Yeah, know. exactly. Yes, we totally are. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't. I was like, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Decline. I just want Riva to get back up and say, just put a scratch. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly. <laughs> I don't want her to well, die Well, interestingly, because yeah.
2: he does say to her face, you know, like the desire for revenge. You know, yep. like he's he's like wanting revenge will keep you alive longer exactly, than you think. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Going back to like what Bill Powell said about the unnatural uh, no, like, abilities, right? Of the yeah,
2: I'm convinced that Riva survives beyond the end credits because what's the point of her seeing Bale's message?
0: Yeah, I wonder that's, if it's... That's uh,
2: peril. Like that's the, the story created peril in that way and on purpose. And I mean, I've, I've already heard someone mention already that they found that the way Bale's message was written initially was kind of awkward and weird like hmm. hi it's me bail organa remember those two secret children obi-wan
0: yeah i <laughs> will know? go to it's tatooine like... check and i will talk to <laughs> owen check and yeah. i will it's giving the information that Riva has already reva's met owen
2: it's yeah say, it's like straight up like a expo- farmer yeah. yeah yeah it's exposition it's like hardcore exposition in the
0: yeah story. i don't i don't want to get too much into like the predictions because again like not that I don't want to talk about this, I do. Um, but I'm just, I'm going to stop myself. Because in a week... cool with that anyway, so it's all good. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm just saying, like, story-wise, like, there's a reason why they put that in, oh, yeah. The, yeah. in the story. Oh, yeah, 100%. So it's, it's going to yeah. come into play in the
0: next episode. Absolutely. And, it's, and ending the shot on Luke, like, I could, I could absolutely see this being Reva makes it to the homestead. And is threatening Owen and Baru and saying, I'm going to bring Vader here. You're hiding something from Vader. And that's when Obi-Wan's going to say, Then you have to go, girl. Sorry. Same as Maul. I don't want to do this, but I will. Exactly. Um, I think that it'll be that of, I got, I got, I think this is going to push her into full-on rage like like i'm talking force lightning level rage i think
2: there's gonna be some kind of karmic (laughs) thing where she's gonna die from her own lightsaber
0: yeah oh i could definitely see something like that like obi-wan even he's gonna
2: use it against her through a
0: block or through some sort of maneuvering yeah something like that for sure because obi-wan gave her the choice gave her the path to be better and that's what star wars is and now it's like well you have this information that we have something going on with these children. You don't know exactly what, but you know, where to go. And I can't, I can't let it progress past this point. And from her point of view, it's a, well, what happened to us together? Don't you, don't you want Vader to come and we'll do it together? Like I could see something like that of a uh, you're going to abandon me again, Obi-Wan. Are you going to let him come for me again, Obi-Wan? You let him stab me again, Obi-Wan. Like, and I think it's going
2: Yeah, third times the charm. That's what I tell her. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm gonna be like, Well, you never got it from the man, two finger point. Like he's gonna be like, he's like, I'm gonna tell you right now, I trained that guy. Um, yeah, it's gonna be super interesting.
1: The one thing I absolutely loved about the, the duel between um young uh younger Obi and uh Anakin was the last bit of dialogue where like he tells them, you know, this is what you're getting wrong. You're only gonna be until you change this, you're gonna be a Padawan. Hmm. And you can tell that there's that respect there. He loves his brother, but the frustration is already there and it's only gonna fester over time. Yeah. Right. Um but he also feels like he does want to reach that goal. But I love it. I mean they just that the look on his face was one of like he it, it, it he's just so frustrated. And that frustration is never gonna go away because again the, almost this similar conversation. You're never going to be a master. It's always like that next step is always taunting him, right? He's never gonna be, you know, granted that last step that mm-hmm. he feels that he has earned, not only just because of the work that he's put in it, but because everybody has put him on this pedestal too. You know, it's yeah. all part of the problem, right? Um, where he feels like he absolutely is owed all these things. Um, You know, I think for all the pain that he has, at least he has this, these these goals. This will be what can make him happy along with Padme. These goals that he set out for himself that he is never going to
0: be able to reach. And Anakin knows. I mean, he was nine years old and we haven't really explored it that much in canon, but he knows he was thrust upon Obi-Wan. He was there standing there with Qui-Gon's hands on his shoulders when Qui-Gon was pitching the idea of him having another Padawan and the council says, no, like he's always had, like you said, Mark, that been on that pedestal of you're this great thing and we need you. And there's so much importance on you. However, we also don't take you seriously enough to be that Mm -hmm. for everything (laughs) that we need, but not everything that we want. Mm. And that's always a, it's a really hard place to put someone particularly like him who from yeah. childhood had goals that were, I mean, of course they were his goals, but they were unrealistic ones. Like I'm going to come back and free all the slaves. I'm going to yeah. see every star system. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, and you can see that all in the training. But then in in Ewan's performance, there is that tenderness of, I see all the flaws, but God, I love this kid. I love yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, that it little was, smile, never like he was like, Yeah. He's
1: never, mm-hmm. he's never, he's never like he's taunting him. It's never yeah. like he's, being disrespectful because he is aware of how much potential he sees in this being. Mm-hmm. But, we how how yeah. but we know Anakin how Anakin
0: takes it. Cause
1: yeah. And we know Anakin takes it
0: because we could presume days later, he's having those conversations with Padme, like, but in a lot of ways I'm ahead of him. Yeah, of yeah. course. On this and of course. that. And he, he's working yeah. himself up and it yeah. he starts here. Yeah. Yeah. um i love that you brought it's it like back. the quarterback with the big ego it's like 100%. you know that the whole town loves right 100 percent. but really <laughs> like... he wants to be doing theater and, <laughs> and he's, he can't tell his dad and... <laughs> nice. well i mean you
2: know like that's that's the tragedy of like we're one of the tragedies of anakin's character is that like you said like that is such a key thing is that he was needed but not wanted
1: I love that, that is such
2: yeah. a lonely position to be in mm-hmm. that is so sad because that belonging and that love like he craved that so intensely you can see it in his in his character like he revelled in the unconditional love of his mother that he had to walk away from he never found anything like that anywhere else that's
0: why palpatine is able to play the game so easily
2: exactly
0: Mm -hmm. for him yeah because
2: he's offering anakin the the desires of his heart and the things that he longs for the most and like he cannot resist reaching for and 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 the reason he's so vulnerable to to that is because no one else is giving it to him Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Yoda doesn't connect with him. Like he, he and Yoda, like just the 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 total miscommunication between the two of them. Like every time I watch that scene of Yoda trying to counsel Anakin and completely missing the mark, like it's painful. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me mm-hmm. because it is so obvious to me that Yoda does not understand what Anakin's needs are and is not addressing them.
0: Not not his best work. No,
2: best. clearly, <laughs> but, but, but it makes it all the more powerful because. Yeah. At the point that we, the audience, are seeing the scene is that we know that Yoda is a great teacher, you know, and we ha- there is some level of reverence for him, you know, from seeing his work with Luke and seeing mm-hmm. him be a, a great mentor to so many other Jedi.
0: And also, it's a rare moment of honesty for Anakin. So Truly. you know that Anakin was like, I'm running out of And
2: that's, and that's what Yoda. makes, yes, and that's what makes the tragedy hit so hard too because it's like this one, this one moment when everything could have gone right and instead everything goes wrong you know and then to talk about cycles and to be cyclical again we see that again with ben solo Mm -hmm. it's like ben solo is someone who had who like anakin had this rich inner life and had so many emotional needs that nobody around him addressed you see that in the rise of kylo ren Mm -hmm. you know he where he's so honest with ty about how he feels like he can't live up he there are all of these expectations being placed on him and he feels like he's never going to live up to them and he feels completely inadequate because no one is building him up and Mm -hmm. no one is wrapping him in security to help him like feel anything other than insecure and inadequate
0: and that's why anakin with anakin in this in the sparring scene and with this yoda stuff that we're talking about like it becomes it's it's hard for anakin to see people beyond their roles sometimes because he's been reduced to being just a role of himself um so he sees he could see and hear obi-wan and yoda and other people but he conflates them all together as you're, you're the the monolith of the council. The monolith of the thing that's holding me down. He simplifies it in his mind because he's been simplified and it's it's, it's that projecting. It's that giving what you're receiving. and um, Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's super... Yeah, he has
2: trouble connecting to other people's humanity because his humanity there. is denied when people see him just as a tool.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why... And another moment of tragedy, like it could have all could have gone right is in the Siege of Mandalore of like, you should talk to Anakin. And it's like, well, we're not gonna have time for that, unfortunately. It's super tragic. And of course, the big thing that that we should also say for people listening, that's been a huge talking point, and it's correct. This episode, part five overall, particularly this training flashback, particularly the fact that they do bamboozle Vader with Obi-Wan's two ship plan is that it adds immense weight to the when last you know, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Because they're still playing that game. Yeah. They're still yeah. playing that game. And, and Obi-Wan still
0: has the high ground. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. He does. He's like, I'm gonna high ground by sinking into the floor. I'm just gonna be just a cloak. Uh, I I also love the, I love the memes of like, or it was it was a. I wish I knew who tweeted it. I should have bookmarked it. That they took the clip of Vader stepping on Obi Wan's cloak at New Hope, like checking to see like if he's there, like is he dead, like. And they're like, yeah. yep, this is Anakin, like <laughs> 100%. Like, It's still that, still deep down. It's like, what the hell? How did he do yeah. that? Um,
1: I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> that was rad. Uh, I love it. I, I got to That, again, I love that it changes how we look at these things that we've known for so long that we've digested over and over
0: and broken yeah, yeah. down.
1: And we thought we knew everything about it. But now there's more layers to it.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, all the Leo points have been talked to death, but I say them all the time. Like she names her kid after this guy. Yeah. And, and when we first got that in Force Awakens, it would already worked for me, you know, because my reasoning then, which I think is still part of it is, well, she doesn't meet her brother and husband, if not for Obi-Wan Kenobi. He he created mm-hmm. their family and friendship by being the one that they needed. And even though he dies, it's like she meets Han because of this man in a roundabout way. So that was enough for me, but now uh, so much more. Now the way that Carrie reacts in New Hope, which says Ben Kenobi, like that energy and, and everything that is being played into it. And of course now with uh, Obi-Wan in his, you know, in his classic Alec Guinness scenes, taking the saber out of the chest you know, this was your father's life. We wanted you to have this, blah, blah, blah. Everything that we've been saying for years. Nice. That, that <laughs> whole, yeah, that's exactly how we said it too. Um, th- that whole sequence now has so much extra weight because we know now what it took for him to take the sabers out of the sand and into his home we know what it takes for him to be able to look back on that with any fondness whatsoever even if it is complicated we know what it took for him to be able to the transition i've always talked about and why before the show even premiered why i said it was needed and why i said it was gonna be rich and why i was excited for it was we have to take obi-wan kenobi from you were my brother anakin i loved you all the way to he needs to die uh because <laughs> it is wrong um that we yeah. want and yoda to promote this idea but they do um you know he's more machine now than man and if you don't face him we've already lost and how does he get there this show has and i think it's done it beautifully as we start to wrap this up it has Im- immensely emphasized n- i was going to say new hope not even meaning the title newfound hope new hope um, in Leia and in the future and in becoming Obi-Wan Kenobi again. But it is also doing a good job of diminishing any hope from Obi-Wan's point of view that there is Anakin Skywalker left. We see it, but yeah. Obi-Wan is witnessing. I mean, the first encounter with this guy, he's destroying townsfolk and snapping necks and killing people like it's it's making the yeah. case of oh no he's gone and it's important i think for viewers to really understand that your point of view and the character's point of view are not always going to be the same and that's important like obi-wan tells maul that he thinks luke's the chosen one yeah but george thought that anakin was the chosen one Mark yep. Hamill said that him and Adam Driver agreed that Ben Solo was the chosen one, or at least Mark did in his in his preparation for the role. Right. It's like everyone has their perspectives on what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and we just need to get them there in a way that's organic. And I think that uh, they've been doing a great job, so. If anyone has final thoughts before we get out of here, I feel like we talked about everything. Well, I think the
2: part that you just brought up about Obi-Wan losing hope in Vader, like that also means that Luke's journey towards redeeming Vader, that adds muscle Mm. to that. Mm -hmm. You know, it also makes it all the more touching and beautiful that Luke could still see light inside of him and still believe that he could be redeemed.
1: Yeah. Oh, and also... Key... Yeah. okay oh, oh, No, no. No, it's ahead. just going to say that because he doesn't know that he has kids. And so that's going to change the way that he looks at the bigger picture because he thought he had completely lost Padme. Now there's a part of her still living in these twins, Right. And so, of course, it's going to change the way he looks at things. And that's what Luke taps into as far as I'm concerned, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so okay. that absolutely changes things. And so, yeah, it is It is the way that they think it is up until that point of when he finds out and then the game changes. And that's when Luke can do what he needs to do to bring his father back.
2: Well, and that's beautiful, too, because it shows that Vader could still take that emotional journey Mm -hmm. and he still. And again, again, back to the thesis of Star Wars, like he had still had the capacity for change, right? Even after all that he did and all of the violence, that he enacted there and all of the despair and the suffering the knowledge that those children existed ignited a spark inside of his humanity enough that his son could perceive that flame burning inside of him
0: mm-hmm. and with what you said about that capacity for change and about how we do all contain all things i think about things like charles soul's amazing vader run and how during that period when he doesn't have knowledge of these children, when he doesn't have knowledge of any hope, when he doesn't have knowledge of any legacy that isn't destruction, because we, we can watch Revenge of the Sith and see his reactions, like and how Padme and him are excited about this baby and how he thinks like we're gonna figure things out. And she's talking about making, you know, making a home for them somewhere else. And yeah, there's all this stuff for the future. Before he has that back, when he thinks about Padme, it becomes grim it becomes demonic it's about the dark side I, I i'm obsessed with the moment when vader sees in that comic he sees a, a dark side vision of padme and she hits him with the phantom menace line yeah. of are you an angel but it's like really exorcisty, and like <laughs> that's that's how he would ruminate but then when he has the kids it's like i'm able to now maybe i didn't just create bad maybe i i contain multitudes. Like maybe I I did do all these horrible things, but I also put these two into the galaxy. And that's something that we can all relate to in our own ways, whether that's, you know, an actual familial thing. Like I've said it on the show before, like my father, not a great person. In fact, I'd say a bad one. Um, But like that is, but he also like was able to create me and I think I'm okay. So that's like, you know, that becomes an interesting sort of what actually defines you left, right, sideways, you know, all all, all the way around. It's super interesting and compelling. And for him to have this journey, I mean, and and to build off what you were saying, for Luke to see light in him, like I will never see the end of Return of the Jedi the same way again on on Endor, when the ghosts, the three ghosts are together. Like when Anakin's ghost is there and it's Hayden ghost and Obi-Wan like kind of smiles like off to the side, it's like, well, you know, a little late, but you made it just like sparring just like training like you got you got here which i think is which i also think is a very star wars thing like it doesn't matter when you get there so i'm gonna go cry um this has been fun uh (laughs) but really uh, this has been a great episode thanks so much for coming on uh again these are things we could talk about for hours and hours and hours and we will and i'm gonna have you both back on um when this show's over and we're in a little bit of a lull um, for some solo episodes, let's dig Sweet. into your heads and, awesome. and <laughs> kick stuff around, and and I would love that. Pick your brains for a while; it'll be a lot of fun. So, um, whoever wants to start, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what's going on? I mean, I know a, a lot of like what's going on is sort of up in the air, especially when we're in show mode. But you know,
2: you can find me on Twitter at Hutsleia, H-U-T-T-S-L-E-I-A. Ship who you want. All ships are valid. Also, please go to Amidala Helps and who needs to the Amidala Initiative because it's very important. We need to protect trans people all over the U.S. Uh, right now, we're focusing on Equality Texas.
0: And all those links are in the description. They're right in the middle. They're in bold. You can't miss them. Please uh, help out. It was organized by some wonderful, wonderful human beings. And yeah, I mean, I can't... I I cannot adequately speak to just like the breadth of importance. um, But I know that it's something that we were proud to have the show um, standing by. And it's like, and I say that just mostly like from the, I'm a cis male perspective. But at the same time, it's like, that's, that's what, that's what this is. That's what these stories are. You know, that's why it, it, that's why it's on Star Wars shows, right? Like That's why we're talking about this is because it's the spirit of togetherness and the spirit of helping someone that you don't know that you can't know people i think it's it's easy not to like just totally trample all over Mark's plugs too but it's like uh, it's so <laughs> <It's all>
3: good <laughs> i think just like thinking a lot. i think
0: sometimes we think of people as theoretical which i think a lot about in terms of star wars like we talked about leia and how she's going to have to open the the you know open the, the hangar doors metaphorically for so many people for her entire life yeah. and she won't meet most of them won't know most of them and so i think about stuff like the opendola initiative and and the effort that's been put into it by amazing people like ben mcdonald and their effort that's gone into it and all of the 77 now probably way more creators that that came together on it it's uh it's just interesting like most of us don't know each other and 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 i don't know anyone that's fighting this battle in texas but you you have to know that it's right which is such an interesting and i think universal idea and so it's almost like okay you love the star wars stuff that says all these things like now you should put that love into action so Mm -hmm. indeed anyway mark (laughs) (laughs) make it about you
1: now no okay all right all right well you can find me on twitter and instagram at i am el and you can find me emma chase and brian on friday evenings at 9 30 eastern time um on pink milk after dark where we talk star wars queerly please come and hang out with the steam queens pretty good time we love star wars so there's that
0: (laughs) it's a riot i want to throw in one last quick fun question at the pink milk live panel in chicago in chicago i wish we were in chicago and anaheim (laughs) uh go back to chicago um we all shared in this wonderful, just communal spirit that you were all projecting. And then M, you end like you always do with all ships are valid. And then you threw it to the crowd and everybody got to yell out the one that they always throw out. And so I wanna know what yours is and what Mark's is. What What is the one that you blurt out? And then I'll say the one that I blurted out because I did blur one out. <laughs> I, ha- I have a number one Star Wars ship. Um, which I don't talk about a lot on the show because it doesn't really come up, but I stand by it. Yeah. So. Uh...
2: I was legally required to represent for my blue butterflies, so I did say Raylo.
0: You were legal <laughs> legally legally bound. Uh <laughs> ironclad I,
2: For the record, I have lots of other ships that I support and love well okay, so technically every single ship I support. If you want anybody you wanna ship anybody with anybody, I'm hundred percent there for that. Please do it. Do you but know what the greatest
0: I, ship of all time was? One time Tori and I went on like a master list and we found one that is Weavis, which is General Grievous and a Watt Tambor. I <laughs> Grievous,
2: love it. Which oh is... my God. Ship everybody with everybody. <laughs> Incredible. Seriously. Okay, Mark, you go. Who is yours?
1: Okay, it's funny because oddly enough, I was thinking about it this morning and it's not one that you should go with, but they've been in my head since. Hmm. So I don't know what their ship name is. Is it is it uh, Zalus or is it Keb? So. Um, Alizab. Alizab. Alizab? Kalizab? Okay. That would be who? Yeah, that's- oh yeah, excellent choice because they're husbands,
0: they're husbands. <laughs> right?
1: Exactly.
0: He brings him to meet his parents, and seriously, does whole, like, yes, uh, <laughs> that's canon. Uh, so my, uh, well, m- I think a lot of people probably expect me to say Din and Bo-Katan because I'm always talking about how I want them to clang the best car, um, and that's
3: <laughs> that's sounds-
0: uh, isn't it. I like, love it. <laughs> I'm just saying, and like, some people are like, "What about O'Mara?" I didn't say that he wasn't going to settle down with O'Mara. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, and
0: why you're off? Oh,
1: Amanda O'Mara, that's a great
2: ship. I love.
1: Yeah. That. I love that that actress. By the way, they were on Dexter: uh, New Blood. They're awesome. Oh yeah, so, Julia uh, yeah.
0: Julia Jones. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Um, but all that said. Uh, anyone that knows me on a deep, intimate level of the soul knows that there is one that lights my fire that no one can tell me did not actually transpire off off screen, and that is Shmigon. Shmigon. Oh, yes. that uh, is such yes.
2: a great choice!
0: Oh, the nice, best of the best. He was—he <laughs> was, <love> <laughs> was going to be a stepdad. He was going to be a stepdad. Yeah. If it, it wasn't for it wasn't for the damn trade federation and everything that went down, duty called, and he had to leave. But yep. Uh, my buddy Ken calls them those hot Espa nights. There was at least two nights <laughs> that he was there. For it. Uh, yeah, we're. T- I'm gonna give your son a blood test and I'll send him to bed.
2: I'm sure. Oh my, there is. There, I'm sure there's good Shmigan content on Ao3. Yeah. So if you ever wanna,
0: to peruse,
2: explore. <laughs> you probably should go for it.
0: Uh, oh, I love so, it. If That's you're awesome. out there and you also support me, go hit me up. Let's talk about it. Um, you can follow <laughs> me uh, personally uh, on Twitter and Instagram at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-A-Z. Um, probably, I don't know, talking about like Dua Lipa or something uh, 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 once Kenobi's over, um, but uh, which is a, is a great <laughs> life choice for me. Um, and you can find uh, Oxa Radio everywhere you get your podcasts, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's everywhere. Apple, Spotify, leave reviews, leave stars, if you like it, of course. If you don't, You don't have to do any of that. Uh, And um, yeah, you could find the show there. There's always new interviews coming out. There's always episode coverage coming out. There's also a rewatch between worlds that I do with uh, myself and Nikki Kumar analyzing all of star Wars rebels going through every episode commentaries, thematic discussions we analyze even the behind the scenes material revisiting all the rebels recons and then all of the seasons of tori's show tori fox the band torian creed those are all here um and she will be back down the room and she's not busy doing a thousand other things because she's a renaissance woman <laughs> outside of all that you can look forward to shadow of the sith author adam christopher coming onto the show we're going to be talking soon and recording uh, a full in-depth uh, exploration of that book and i have some questions um it is a it's a doozy it's a Big one, a great one, uh, but it's a big one. And uh, outside of that, look forward to some more interviews lining up with some Lucasfilm folks and, of course, the finale of Kenobi. And I'm sure we'll do many, many, many other Kenobi discussions throughout the summer in the lead up to Andor, which actually isn't that far away. Um, so I'm sure that uh, I'll have all of Team Pink Milk back on to discuss uh, what's happening with Andor. Will he get to touch Yaba? I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out. As for right now, for me, for M, for Mark, We'll catch you next time.
1: Punch it, Chewie.